As a result of that, God just sort of laid on my heart, look in the scripture and see what God says about it. God has something to say about it. And so I want to give you some things tonight as an introductory, and then we'll probably continue this again next Sunday night. Begin in Ezekiel 38, please. Turn in your Bible to Ezekiel 38. And I want to read just some verses from Ezekiel 38 and 39 tonight. And part of this message is prophetical. And I am not sure how deep I may get into that tonight. Part of it is very, very practical. And it applies to every one of us. Let's bow together in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for what we've experienced tonight in these wonderful songs and the handbell choir, reminding us that it is well with our soul. And uh, brother, brother Bob telling us there's peace in the midst of a storm. And Miss Carol telling us this morning that Jesus is the healer. And all these songs all day that have just spoken to our heart and song and soul to remind us that the only healing, the only calm, the only peace is in Jesus Christ and how tragic the life is without Christ. We pray that if there's one person here tonight who does not have Christ, that the Holy Spirit will speak to that heart. And Lord, you've taught us in the Word to pray for our enemies and tonight as a church, we want to pray for those communistic, atheistic enemies of your Word. People who scoff at it, people who hate you and who pretend like they believe there is no God and we give them to you but we pray that somehow circumstances could break the hearts of some that they might be retrieved from this wicked atheism and repent and turn to God stir our own hearts tonight and build our faith and give us a greater passion to see the lost saved. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from Ezekiel chapter 38, beginning with verse 1. <clears throat> and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against them and say thus saith the Lord God behold I am against thee O Gog the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and I will bring thee forth and all thine army horses and horsemen all of them clothed with all sorts of armor even a great company with bucklers and shields all of them handling swords, Persia, Cush and Put with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its hordes, the house of Torgama of the north quarters and all its hordes and many of the people with thee. Look at verse 22. And I will enter into judgment against him with pestilence and with blood and I will rain upon him and upon his hordes and upon the many peoples that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself 
and sanctify myself and I will be known to the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am the Lord. Therefore thou son of man prophesy against Gog and say thus saith the Lord God behold I am against thee O Gog the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and I will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel and I will smote I will smite thy, thy uh, bow out of thy left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy hordes and the people that are with thee. And I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thus shalt thou fall upon the open field for I have spoken it, saith the Lord. What a vicious horrible statement to be said but God said it and if you accuse me of saying God was vicious and horrible and saying it what I mean by that is what an indictment I would I would hate to be under an indictment like that wouldn't you but I want to tell you tonight that's the indictment that that atheistic nation is under and if you read carefully Ezekiel 38 and 39, you, 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 you cannot escape the conviction that those nations spoken of here refer to Russia and the hordes of northern and eastern Europe that align themselves with Russia eventually to march down against Israel. Now listen to this. On, sep on September the 1st, in New York, there originated KAL007. It was on a flight from New York to Seoul. It was met in Anchorage, Alaska by another plane from Los Angeles carrying Representative Carol Hubbard and Jesse Helms. They talked and jested and chatted in the waiting room. I've been in that same waiting room and some of you have also. You've seen that same clock that they saw for the very last time. Just a few miles from Russian territory, originally we purchased Alaska from Russia. Just across that strait is the land of the great bear, the land of atheism. The people there are people, many of whom love God. And we heard Georgie Vins speak in our very auditorium. He was one of the people of Russia. And he told about thousands of Russians who love the Lord, who meet under trees and out under caves and try to practice their faith in Christ only to be hunted out and persecuted and sometimes murdered or sent over to Siberia to a prison camp. And these 269 got back on the plane and a photographer just at random was taking shots and he happened to take a shot of that plane taking off. Little did he know that it would be one of the most famous shots ever taken. The last shot of that KAL 007. 269 precious people, 141 men, 110 women, 18 children and babies, 61 Americans, one of our own congressmen, Larry McDonald from Georgia. The airship flew towards Seoul. The same route 
I took when I went to Korea over the same territory leaving from the same airport shortly after the plane left Anchorage it began to be followed by Russian fighter planes and for two and a half hours they followed the plane Japanese monitored, monitored the conversation between the Russian ground control and the fighters in the air last Friday an interesting thing appeared in the paper they found another tape recording a West German tabloid claimed it acquired transcripts of secret tapes showing that the Soviet shot down the South Korean jumbo jet after the airliner singled its signaled its willingness to follow orders by tipping its wings the mass circulation build quoted from what it claimed was the tape of radio traffic between ground control and the Soviet fighter pilot who downed the, engine, the passenger jet carrying 269 people September 1st. Ground control. Try to identify the foreign plane by, fly, by flying around it. Fighter. I can't do that anymore. I've already started the firing system. Fighter. Excitedly. What shall I do? It has its lights on and it's tipping its wings ground control fire and they did it at approximately 3.30 a.m. 1.30 our time the plane was shot down 23 days later what's happened 15 nations import, imposed boycotts on Aeroflot Unanimous votes in the United States Congress castigating the Soviet Union and demanding apologies and reparations. Tough-minded people urging Reagan to get tougher. Some U.S. merchants pulled Soviet products from store shelves. In Boston, the site of the Boston Tea Party at the American Revolution, Russian vodka was dumped into the harbor. These have been largely symbolic of international disgust over the Soviet attack. They may have hurt Russia's reputation, but will probably have little long-term impact on its economy or its political power. There has been a severe chill in Soviet and American relationships. There has been greater congressional support for Mr. Reagan's defense budget and the MX missile. The world at least knows today how indifferent Russian communism is to people or to human life, or to people's needs. But many specialists believe that soon the world for, will forget the shock and the insult. And in our longing for peace at any price, we'll forget it all, and it will be business as usual with Russia. Now I want to ask you something. Is that the way God looks at it? No, it's not the way God looks at it. And I want to just present to you tonight briefly some thoughts that God has given to my heart concerning this matter. What was the sin of Russia that led to the shooting down of that plane? I think it's at least fourfold. Number one, arrogance. Absolute arrogance 
nobody can get in our airspace. This belongs to us. Nobody else can get there. Now, I'm not just giving a spiel for nationalism in America, but of course all of us know that the plains of Russia have flown over America. One year, 1,700 of them, I believe, and we never shot any of them down, never did anything. But arrogance. And beloved, the Russians are not the only people that are arrogant. Sometimes that sin gets into my life and your life. We get arrogant and proud and filled with arrogance. And God says arrogance will be brought down. So you can just put it down. Russia will not get by with arrogance. Secondly, pride. Pride goeth before a fall. Russia assumed that nobody could do anything. They actually thought nobody would ever know. They thought the plane would just disappear. They did not know that the Japanese were monitoring that. And the Japanese were hesitant to even release that tape because they didn't want the world to know, and especially Russia, to know how extensive was our intelligence in that area of the world. But they only did it after Russia refused to acknowledge that they even shot a plane down. And we had been making, we had been making uh, 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 accusations and saying they did it. You see, they were filled with pride. And God says pride goeth before a fall. And if there is pride in any life here tonight, we need to surrender that pride and put it before the Lord, before God brings us down. Thirdly, I think it was the sin of misplaced confidence. The sin of misplaced confidence. Russia is trusting in their own means, their own weapons, their weaponry, their stockpile, that secure place they have where they won't allow any planes to pass over. They won't even allow our ships to get in and search in the international waters without being watched like hawks by the Soviets because they're afraid we'll get a little bit closer and find a little bit more of what they're doing there. They have placed their confidence in their own ammunition and in their stockpiles and in their missiles and in their atomic warfare. And beloved America better watch the same thing. Our defense does not depend upon the atomic or the hydrogen bomb. I'm not against them. I'm certainly not for nuclear freeze. But I want to tell you the moment American Christians begin to put our confidence in any kind of ammunitions or any kind of bombs, we are guilty of misplaced confidence also. And the Russians are just as guilty of that. And God will not allow them to go unpunished. Misplaced confidence. And I want to tell you just as sure as we're, we're sitting here in this church tonight, those 269 lives that went down, God knows about every one of them. And whether they were saved or not, wherever they spent eternity, some of them I'm sure were saved. Some of them probably were lost. Where they spend eternity is a heartthrob in our hearts. And it makes us aware how much we need to tell everybody, everywhere we are, about Jesus. And how important it is to know the Lord before we do anything. That's the most important thing. But I want to tell you whether they were lost or saved. They were human beings. And there's something in our heart stream that just wakes up and says, Oh God, what a terrible crime against humanity. And God's word says he will never let go unpunished crimes against humanity. You just write that down. There was another sin in their lives. And that was the sin 
of overprotection of them of their their own safety overprotection whenever we try to overly protect ourselves at the expense of somebody else we're in trouble that'll never work you've read about a mother giving her life for her little baby to be born God blesses that but God never blesses a woman that makes that baby give its life in abortion overprotection of oneself God never smiles on that and this is the sin that Russia is guilty of and of course I'm picking on Russia tonight because that's our subject but it's just as true in your life in my life in America's life in any nation on the earth whenever we depend upon our own self-security and we try to pamper ourselves and we try to depend upon self and self-preservation and we're overly sensitive about our own security there's something severely wrong these young men and young women that burn draft cards and won't go out to war because they're afraid to overly protective of self God says there's a problem with that it's a problem people men who sit at home and won't work want somebody else to support them women who sit at home and won't work and want somebody else to support them self security they don't want to do what needs to be done to take care of things God says that's a sin and this was one of the sins of Soviet Russia now for these reasons I want to give you three truths and next Sunday night the Lord willing I want to get into the prophetic part of this message because I'll not have time tonight I'm ready I've got my map and I've got it all ready to sh show you and I want to show you how Russia is going to be defeated Russia is going to be defeated one day I don't know whether you knew it or not we seem to be afraid of Russia well she's not going to succeed she's going to march and I'll tell you all about it next week can't get into it tonight but I want to tell you this there are three truths and I'll just lay this on your heart and let you get out because I know some of you don't like for me to preach long I could preach four hours on this tonight thank you for the amens number one the wages of sin have never been altered the wages of sin is death Russia sinned against God when she let that pilot shoot those that defenseless plane down and God says the wages of sin is death it's never been altered never been changed the wages of sin is death listen to this in Proverbs 14:34, righteousness exalteth a nation but sin is a reproach to any people Proverbs 14:12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man but the end thereof is the way of death James 1:15, then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death Proverbs 13:15, the way of the transgressor is hard 
Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. What does it mean the wages of sin is death? When Adam sinned, Genesis 2.17, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die, Adam began to die. When Saul sinned, he missed the mark as the king God wanted him to be and became beside himself with jealousy. He visited the witch of Ender and he died on the battlefield, a defeated man. When David fell in the moment of weakness, he began to die and the great king had a terrible tragedy the rest of his life. The nation Israel had the opportunity of serving as a channel through which God could bless the whole world. But instead of sharing the message of God, Israel became selfish, cherishing to a perverted degree God's blessings and feeling that she was God's favorite. As a result, she began to die in her selfishness. She died at Samaria. She died at Jerusalem. Alexander the Great conquered the then known world, but he left God out. He lived a life of carelessness. He died at the age of 30, weeping. There are no more worlds to conquer. The wages of sin is death. It's true by scripture. It's true by human testimony. It's true by the history of nations. And I think what Russia did that day was one of the, one of the things that you can mark on your map as one of the beginnings of a downfall of a nation. Now, of course, it's put fear in the third world nations. It's put fear in our hearts. We know now some of our doves have been telling us that communism isn't really so bad, that communism has changed. It's not exactly like it used to be. Communism hasn't changed a bit. It's just like Lenin said. Lenin said, we'll march around the world, we'll, we'll, we'll conquer all the nations around the uh, United States, and that nation will fall without our firing a shot by internal decay. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. And friend, don't let anybody tell you that Nicaragua and El Salvador and those nations down there are unimportant and that we ought to get out. We ought to, we need to fight it there or we're going to be fighting in Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and Florida. And I'm not a warmonger. I'm just telling you. But I also want to tell you, Russia's on the losing side. She's not going to win. She is marked for defeat. Because no nation that dishonors God and abuses humanity like she does can exist, can long exist. God has marked her for defeat. You watch it. Now, you may not see it in my lifetime. Maybe you will. But Russia is going to march across one time too much. And they're going to conquer, they're going to surround that little nation Israel. And I'll get into that another time. Maybe next Sunday or the next. And all the nations of the world are going to gather there. And God is going to let Russia fall. And the birds are going to eat their flesh. And blood will come up to the horse's bridles in the awful battle of Armageddon. Secondly. The wages of sin is death. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Russia has sown discord. Russia has sown a lack, absolute lack of interest, lack of concern. And ever since that awful incident has failed to apologize and has tried to say it was all America's fault and tried to blame us for espionage when 269 innocent unarmed people were shot down out of the sky in the middle of the night. Russia says, it's your fault, America. I want to tell you, whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That same thing is true in your life and my life. You sow discord, you're going to reap discord. 
You sow gossip, you're going to reach, reap the result of gossip. That woman came down the aisle one day in Dr. Lee's meeting and said, Dr. Lee, I want to lay my tongue on the altar. He said, honey, we don't have an altar that long. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow jealousy in your home. You get jealous of your wife. You get jealous of your husband. And you let that green-eyed monster eat away at your heart. And after a while, there, while there was nothing there at all, there could be because of you. You go out to these factories and work. You start having coffee with some other man or some other woman. You start telling them all your troubles and all your problems. And, and pretty soon you find somebody that will talk to you. And I want to tell you, it's dangerous to do that. Because you can always find somebody outside your home who will talk to you who has hawk ears and wants to listen. They just want to hear it. Give me some more, honey. Give me some more. Tell me a little bit more about it. Isn't he ugly? You mean he does that? You mean she does that? You don't mean she'd do that, do you? Yeah. Huh? And you listen to all that. After a while, you get dissatisfied at home, and you start showing some interest outside of the home, and your first thing you know, your home's gone. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You're going to reap it. You sow beans, you reap beans. You sow corn, you reap corn. You sow to the flesh carrion, you reap carrion corrupt flesh. You sow premarital sex, you reap the results of it. You give your body in some kind of sexual compromise before marriage. You're going to reap the result of it. Whatever a man soweth, that shall also reap. And that's one of the lessons we learn from the shooting down of that Korean jet. And last one, last message. And I'm having to really discipline myself to finish quickly. I'd like to preach a long time. But the last thing is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. The words of our precious Savior, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I think if Jesus... If Judas could have come to Judas, Jesus in the last moment and said, Oh Lord, I betrayed you with a kiss. Lord, I'm despicable. Oh God, forgive me. Jesus would have embraced him and loved him and forgiven him. I think if anybody, that pilot, for example, the pilot that was on the ship, the airship that began the raid on Pearl Harbor, the one that gave the okay later got saved and God forgave him. And only a few people in this land of America hate, hate, hate Japanese today. Most of us love the Japanese. We don't hate them. You see, God did a wonderful thing. God intervened. He gave us a general named MacArthur, and no matter what you thought of some of his policies, and some of you who worked with him might not have liked him as a general, but in his heart he had a love for God. And he went into Japan, a nation that had been godless, a nation that had stirred up war, a nation that had stirred up hatred, 
and MacArthur went in and sowed peace and Jesus and he appealed to the American Christians he said send us missionaries send us missionaries and the mission doors were thrown wide open and missionaries began to go to Japan because we had God move in on the scene listen it is not too late for Jesus to move in on the scene in Russia it is not too late to, for Jesus to move in on the scene on that fighter who downed the plane and I believe if he would appeal to Jesus Jesus I killed 269 innocent people and I'm sorry I know the ground control told me to do it and I'm sorry I believe Jesus would forgive him because that's the kind of Savior we have Jesus says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest and I can't go into the rest of the message without giving you this first and that's the reason I'm giving it in a series tonight there are people in this very room who are under an awful burden you need to be liberated you're under a burden of guilt you're under a burden of fear you're under a burden of sin you're under a burden of some habit you're under a burden of something that nobody knows about just you just you and God why don't you take it to the Lord right where you are just take it to him he'll forgive you it's like that come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls my yoke is easy my burden is light you don't have to go through life dwarfed and limping God will give you peace and pardon and purpose and power and provision and he'll fill your life with joy like you never had before would you do that let's bow together in prayer please every head bowed every eye closed our father we thank thee that Jesus is still what he said he was he is merciful gracious and in the face of being spit upon in the face of being betrayed by a kiss in the face of being ridiculed the meek Savior forgave and he'll do it again but we realize that one day he's coming as a judge it'll be too late and you've impressed us to preach on that in another series in the, in the next messages but tonight to hold out Jesus as the merciful loving tender compassionate Savior who though the wages of sin is death and whatever a man sows that shall he also reap Jesus stands with open arms to cleanse and forgive every sinner and any sinner who will come honestly clean with God and say Lord I'm coming home in Jesus name Amen will you stand please out of my bondage sorrow and night Jesus I come to thee Jesus I come to thee I want to ask you if you'd do that just like you are